Why are we here? It's a Tuesday evening. It's 150 degrees outside. (laughs) And we've packed ourselves into a church. Why are we doing this? Well, of course, on a surface level, it's because our mother, the church, has told us to. She's our good mother. She knows what's best for us. And she has declared this day to be a holy day of obligation. But that doesn't really answer the question. Maybe the, maybe the, the deeper question is this, why is this a holy day of obligation? Why has the church declared this to be a holy day of obligation? A day when we're obliged to come to church. You know, a holy day of obligation, for if, in case anyone doesn't know this, is really like a Sunday as far as our moral life is concerned. And as far as our spiritual life is concerned as well. But if one day we happen to miss, I mean, of course, today is not the day for all of you. You're all here, so you haven't missed this holy day of obligation. But if on another occasion you miss a holy day of obligation without a really good reason, that is just like missing a Sunday, which is a mortal sin. And a mortal sin, as the name implies, is death. So we die when we do that. And maybe we don't realize it right away, but it'd be like me plucking one of these leaves here from one of these plants. It would be dead but it would still be green. I wouldn't know that it's dead right away. But if I left it that way for a while, it would quickly shrivel and turn brown and die and and disintegrate, even though it was already dead at the moment that I plucked it. That's the same thing with our mortal sins. But the Lord doesn't want us to stay dead. That's the whole point of Christianity. He has come, he has died, and he has risen from the dead in order for us too to resurrect. And so when we go to confession, We're resurrected. We're brought back to life. And now we're in communion with God once again. So this is the level of of spiritual life, spiritual obligation that we're talking about here. Coming to church tonight has this sort of implication with it. If we didn't come to church tonight to come and worship the Holy Trinity tonight, we would be committing a mortal sin and would be spiritually dead. So why is this? Well, I'm going to give you a homework assignment because I'm not going to be able to give you a satisfactory answer. Even though my homily is going to be about 45 minutes, it won't be enough. (laughs) The homework assignment will be to read this document called, let's see how my Latin is, Munificentissimus Deus, Munificentissimus Deus, by Pope Pius XII. And the title isn't really descriptive. It just it means the most bountiful God. These church documents, they just take their titles from the first few words of the first paragraph. It's a document about the Assumption. It's the Apostolic Constitution of Pope Pius XII defining the dogma of the Assumption. This happened in 1950, not too long ago, only 70 years ago. But lest there be any confusion, this is not a new belief of the church. This goes all the way back to its early days, the church's early days. And Pope Pius XII outlines that development in here. And he goes through the whole history. You know, he's starting, there are seeds, there are signposts in the Psalms and in the New Testament. And then he picks up a number of church fathers. I'll read you a really beautiful one here from St. John Damascene from around the year 675. He said, it was fitting that she, the mother of God, who had kept her virginity intact in childbirth, should keep her own body free from all corruption even after death. 
it was fitting that she, who had carried the Creator as a child at her breast, should dwell in the divine tabernacles. It was fitting that the spouse, whom the Father had taken to himself, should live in the divine mansions. It was fitting that she, who had seen her son upon the cross and who had thereby received into her heart the sword of sorrow, which she had escaped in the act of giving birth to him, should look upon him as he sits with the Father. It was fitting that God's mother should possess what belongs to her son, and that she should be honored by every creature as the mother and as the handmaid of God. Of course, there's a lot in there. I'm not going to unpack all of it, but just to highlight what relates to the assumption that it was fitting that she should keep, that God should keep her own body from all corruption, even after death. So this is what the dogma of the assumption declares, is that Mary... Her body did not decay like the rest of us, the rest of our bodies will. Her body did not decay. That our bodies will be raised at the end of time and be reunited with our souls in heaven. But for Mary, she was assumed into heaven, body and soul, immediately after her time on earth. And then he goes on. He reads from St. Germanus of Constantinople in the year 750. And then from St. Anthony of Padua, St. Albert the Great, these are in the Middle Ages, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Bonaventure. All these beautiful teachings on, in this development of this doctrine, of this dogma of Mary's assumption. And finally, in 1950, it gets declared a dogma. So why, what happened in 1950 that made this happen, that led Pope Pius XII? There's a child waving in the back, and I'm really tempted to wave back at them back there. Okay, I did it. What happened in 1950 that led this to happen? Well, he explains it right here. He says his predecessor, Pope Pius XI, in 1854 did something that was the predecessor to this, the precursor to this. And that was the declaration of the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. And this was divinely revealed, you know, not in the sense that sacred, sacred scripture is divinely revealed, but of course Mary came down to heaven and declared to St. Bernadette, I am the Immaculate Conception. So there had been dispute up to that point, but heaven had the last word and said, Mary is in fact immaculately conceived. Okay, so since that happened, St. Pius XII saw it fitting to declare this dogma of the Assumption because it's, a, it's the natural, logical next step. Because think about it like this. What does the Immaculate, the immaculate Conception refer to? That Mary was preserved from the stain of original sin. Mary did not receive the stain of original sin flowing from Adam, Adam and Eve all the way down to us. Mary was preserved from that. She sidestepped that, if you will. If she, if she was preserved from the stain of original sin, she was also preserved from the consequence of original sin, which is death. The consequence of sin is death. Now, death in, in the sense that we have today, death in the sense of bo our body decaying, this extreme suffering, and then the, the decay of the body, and the body being really re returning to ashes, even as we talk about on Ash Wednesday, to ash you shall return. This is a consequence of original sin. Mary was preserved from that, and that was declared definitively in 1854 with the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. And so now the church was ready to declare definitively this dogma 
of the assumption. And so don't think of these declarations of dogma as something new, right? It's not like Mary hadn't been assumed before 1950. Mary was assumed way back when, whenever that was, around the year 50 or 60 or whenever that was. And the church, as we've seen in all these examples, and again, this is your homework assignment to go home and read this. Pretty short document, maybe 12 pages. You can read it in 20 minutes when you get home. Although there's, it's really rich, you can take a lot, of, many, you can take many hours which, with each one of these paragraphs. But that happened way back when, and it was developed over time. But now at this point in 1950, the church declares definitively, this is a dogma. To the point that, and he says this here at the end, hence if anyone which God forbids should dare willfully to deny or to call into doubt that which we have defined, this dogma of the assumption, let him know that he has fallen away completely from the divine and Catholic faith. That's how important this is. And that's why the church says it's mandatory to come and worship the Holy Trinity on this day. You see, a lot of people think that the most important things about Christianity are things having to do with the moral life, right? I, I haven't yet talked to somebody and asked them, why did you leave the church? And they said, oh, I just, I just couldn't believe that Mary assumed body and soul into heaven. That's why I left the church. That's not usually what happens, right? Or even somebody coming in, why did you come into the church? They don't usually say, oh, I, I was really compelled by Mary's immaculate conception. And that's why I came to the church. There are other reasons, superficial reasons, and I don't mean superficial in the sense of fake or unimportant, but surface level reasons as to why people come into the church and leave the church. And that's all well and good. That's, that has its place. We, we, we need to talk about the moral life and defend church teaching in its proper time and place. But that's at the surface. There's no holiday of obligation for the church's moral teachings in any area. There's a holy day of obligation for the assumption of Mary, body and soul, into heaven. This is infinitely more important. And we come to Mass, we worship the Blessed Trinity on this day. And there's a lot, there's a lot more here. I'll just read one more, one, one more passage here that I think is relevant to our, our liturgical worship. So this is St. Robert Bellarmine, you know, one of the great doctor of the church around the time of the Reformation. He said... And who, I ask, could believe that the Ark of Holiness, this is Mary, the Ark of Holiness, the dwelling place of the Word of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, could be reduced to ruin. My soul is filled with horror. This is in the 1500s. My soul is filled with horror at the thought that this virginal flesh, which had begotten God, had brought him into the world, had nourished and carried him, could have been turned into ashes, or given over to be food for worms. I say this is related to our liturgical worship because this is what we say about the tabernacle here, the Ark of the Covenant. And this is the respect that we pay to our sacred vessels because our sacred vessels are too holding the Lord himself. So the same line here that we say about our Blessed Virgin we want to pay attention to our sacred vessels in this way as well. My soul is filled with horror at the thought that this virginal flesh, which had begotten God, had brought him to the world, had nourished and carried him, could have been turned into ashes or given over to be food for worms. So that's why we want precious metals in our vessels. That's why we take care of them. That's why we clean of them properly. And that's why, of course, we handle them in a certain way during Mass and especially immediately after Holy Communion because 
those vessels have just beheld within them the Lord himself, the Lord himself. So just like our liturgical worship forms us to better worship the Lord, so does our devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. It forms us to better worship our Lord. And that's the answer to so what? You know, why, why, do, we worship, why do we venerate Mary at all? And why especially on these solemnities and on these whole days of obligation? There is a long passage at the end of that document that I was going to read to you. But given that it is 140 degrees, I will give you a shorter version, which we just prayed in the beginning of Mass. So just listen to these words and I'll, I'll conclude here. Almighty ever-living God, who assumed the Immaculate Virgin Mary, the mother of your Son, body and soul, into heavenly glory, grant, we pray, that always attentive to the things that are above, we may merit to be sharers of her glory. See, always attentive to the things that are above. This is the call. This is the Christian call. Not to be dragged down into the things that are below but to be attentive, always attentive to the things that are above. And by so doing, we may merit to be sharers of her glory. So we follow with our eyes, with our minds, with our souls, with our hearts. We follow Our Lady as she assumes into heaven. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, her Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever.